In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One verse from John 6 to repeat. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It is good. Throughout the Lord's six days of creation, we hear that phrase repeated. Land and sea, light and dark, it is good. Stars, moon, sun, it is good. Birds and fish, plants and animals, it is good. And then on the last day of creation, the sixth day, Adam. And God said, it is not good. What wasn't good? Well, it's not good for the man to be alone. Hmm. You see, the goodness of creation is God's gift of life. All of creation was put in place to support life, to sustain life as a reflection of God's life, the life the Lord has given by his creative word. Creation was designed to bring forth and support that life, and God declared it good, but Adam alone remains alone. He can have no children, no family, and that's not good until Eve. And then it's not simply good, it is very good. That's when the devil got busy. In our first reading, we heard about him coming and visiting Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's where the nudge toward death began. The nudge sounds like this. Did God really say, really? Yeah. And let's not miss the point, this did God really say. That is the sound of the devil's sly movement of mankind toward death, of the world toward death. Did God really say you're not supposed to eat any of this fruit, any of it? Can't even touch it, can't even look at it. Why, look at how good it is. Did God really say that if you ate of this fruit, you would die? Really? Or said another way, wouldn't you really rather have your own choice? Mm. Control, that's great. Tastes a whole lot better than contentment, right? Yeah, and you hear the sneaky snake hissing through those lies. The devil deceived with his suggestions of doubt, and we see his leading lie was calling God a liar. But he said, no, you don't have to listen to that. Listen to me. Really. Well, God's word is truth, and it is life. The devil wants us to die, and because he wants us to die, he tempts us away from the word of God, which gives us that life. Death comes with doubt. 
When Adam and Eve were tempted away from God's word, they were tempted away from the very life that it gives. And they ate and they died. And we and everything else in creation since then have been dying. We often lament that ours is a culture of death. No doubt this is true. Life is vulnerable at the beginning and at the end, and it's devalued all the way through. All you have to do is turn the evening news on, and you see it repeated over and over again. How many were shot today? We mourn the the deaths of babies. We lament the medical murder of the elderly. But it's really important for us to remember that Humanity's funeral march began long before Roe versus... Long before that loud noise? And it began long before Roe versus Wade as well, and the push for legalized euthanasia. By the way, euthanasia is not young people playing tennis. We're talking about good death, as it's called. Euthanasia, that's what the word means. It really all began with a lie. Did God really say in the garden? And that lie continues today. It is this very same funeral march that Jesus came to put an end to, to stop. Jesus is not content with our dying, so much so that he could not stand by and watch us all march into the grave and come to condemnation in the end. He wouldn't put up with it. I came that you might have, you know what the word is? Life. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. That abundantly, the Greek word there implies kind of an overflowing, just keep filling it up, overflowing. Wow. Jesus interrupts our death with his life. He interrupts our sin with his holiness. He interrupts our shame with his crucifixion. He interrupts our death with his resurrection. Jesus takes our sin, our punishment, the wrath we deserve, and he suffers it all in our place. His death is Adam's death and Eve's death and your death and mine. He suffered what we deserved, put it all to death finally, and rose in victory so that we might always have God's mercy, God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's gift of life that never ends. And he gives it all to us in his word. We hear that word spoken, we take it to heart by the Spirit's power, He gives it to us in the promise of our baptism. He gives it to us in his body and blood, the life of Jesus for the life of the world. In John chapter 6, Jesus is having a hard time getting this truth across. It's a long chapter, and it has a lot of difficult things, difficult, that is, for those who have been living in lies Difficult things for us to understand. He is the bread from heaven. He is God and man united in one person. 
He is the hope and life of the world. That's what he's all about. He said it rather cryptically, but the truth remains, and you can hear it loudly as you listen with ears of faith, as he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. We take in Jesus, the wholeness of who he is, God and man in one person, for the life of the world, the gospel. That's what feeds us. A little too much for the crowds who are so used to the lies and fallen in them. There were thousands who came to Jesus for bread in the wilderness. They enjoyed the meal, but they didn't stick around for the teaching that followed, for the Word, the Word of God in human flesh. Jesus sees that they're all leaving, turns to his disciples, and he says to them, okay, what about you? You want to leave as well? Peter answers beautifully, by the Spirit's power and we with him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And there it is. Praise God as Peter sees with Spirit-given clarity what we all need to see over and over again. Jesus has the words of eternal life. Jesus is the word that declares death done in. Jesus has the words that pull us out of the grave on that last and glorious day when all is put right again. Jesus has the words that fell the old evil foe and his lies with the truth of God's grace. Jesus has the words that forgive sin, and thus he has words of eternal life. And dear saints, you have them too. You have the words of Jesus. You hear his voice. You know his name. You believe what he says. That's God's gift. Now, just because Jesus has spoken the truth doesn't mean the devil has given up. He still comes, still tempts us, just as he did Adam and Eve in the garden, did God really say, and what will you answer? Did God really say he loves you? <laughs> you? You think about it. Loves me? And we answer by the Spirit's power, yes. Did God really say your sins are forgiven? Yes. Did God say that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus and that none of your works count and none of your works can take any of this away. It is all Jesus. Did he say that? Yes, he did. And did God say that you in your flesh will be raised on the last day? And we answer yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Because Jesus has the words of eternal life. And he's given them to you and me and still speaks them in our world today. 
so that they might overcome the lies of Satan, the lies that lead to death. Praise God for what he has done, continues to do, and will finally fulfill in that word made flesh, Jesus, the truth and the life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.